Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Hello, and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 8th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And today we will be talking about the NHL playoffs, the Mike Babcock situation, where will he end up being the coach next year, and the hiring of former Penguins GM Ray Sherrill to the New Jersey Devils. That was a pretty, that was a surprise move this past Monday. Um, to start, we are going to start with the playoffs and... Um, Unfortunately, kind of on more of a negative tone, I, I guess. Um, the entertainment value, not not so great. No, I've not. The most exciting playoff series that we've watched, for me personally, is the Penguins-Rangers one. And the only reason I say that is that I follow the Penguins. And even then, when you try to look at that series objectively, it was pretty blah sort of stuff. So... The only reason some of these games are being considered exciting is they're close. I, I haven't seen anything on the ice that makes me think that this has been a great playoff to watch this year. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, um, I didn't enjoy Penguins-Rangers at all, and that has nothing to do with me covering Pittsburgh or any. I, I just thought it was terrible hockey. It was. A lot of that had to do with Pittsburgh missing a lot of talented players. I think, but um, now I do want to say there's there's been isolated moments that have been really great. There's been some really cool last second goals um, and stuff like that, and certainly um, mixed in there, there's been some really fun high scoring games. But overall, we're getting a lot of one nothing two one games, which for me on the surface it does not always mean that that's a bad game. Correct. Um, I'm okay with zero. Zero one nothing games if the scoring chances are there. Uh, to me, the barometer is scoring chances, and right now yep. we're not getting any <laughs> for the most part. It's, it's one of those things where it's it's more like if you had a game that for the total of scoring chances you get, say you got about twenty scoring chances, and three or four of those were top bell, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, sort of a save, you go, great game. If it's a one-zip game or a, or a 2-1 game, you go, brilliant. That's some really, really good hockey to watch. But you're just not seeing enough of, of that sort of stuff in those low-scoring games this year. Like, you can get there and make the argument that the Nashville-Chicago series was exciting, but it was like the goaltending fell apart in that series. It was a little bit Pittsburgh-Philly from 2012, more so than high-quality hockey, if you know what I mean. So it's it's a tough one. What could, As fans, what do you want to have changed to stop stuff like this happening? Interference. Call it. And, and the likelihood? No, I'm just saying you asked. Ooh. That's you know, it. That's yeah, it. Call it. Time and space is being taken away, and from my couch, it's because of illegal tactics. 
and that's a problem and it's easily fixable but like you said I I wouldn't hold your breath on expecting them to make that correction which is really unfortunate it's really depressing when you get to game 82 and you have the three or four day break before you switch over to the playoffs and all you hear about in the media and us bloggers is it's a new set of rules when you get to the playoffs you've got to work harder you've got to push through and all that sort of stuff and you get there with it and it's like really really good example of officials putting their whistle away or not wanting to affect the game with their whistle is the Ducks Anaheim game three uh sorry the Ducks Calgary game three and instead of just sending um, Stajan off the ice and having the game iced because he ran into Anderson, he threw Despray out as well. Ended up being four on four, which turned into five on four, which turned into six on four. And the game got tied and the series is now is now two one. So the refusal to blow the whistle or the refusal to just leave it as take one guy, not two, affects the game just as much as as calling it as calling the penalties. It's I just don't understand game management in this sport at all. Yeah, and and for the first time ever, I find myself actually watching the World Championships over in the Czech Republic right now. And instead I've of never, I've never I've never given a damn about that tournament. Um, but to be honest, I'm watching more of that than than a lot of the playoff. I mean, I'm I obviously tuning in. To some of the playoff games, but if it if it's going along as one of those low scoring chance, really boring affairs, um, you know I haven't been hanging in there as much. Oh, it, it, it disappoints me. I I clearly love watching hockey, or else we wouldn't be doing stuff like this. But um, sure. <laughs> it it's just um, it's not piquing my interest. A lot of it. Oh, I can I can see why it's. It's one of those things where I really do hope it ends up being Anaheim, Chicago, um, and Tampa, Washington in the conference finals because they seem to be the four teams that are humming along the best at the moment. And I think that's the only way we're going to get some compelling hockey for the final two rounds is is having teams that are playing at their peak because I, I have a feeling that the Rangers thought that rolling over the Penguins was going to make it a lot easier to roll over the They didn't Capitals. really roll them over. I mean, series-wise, of course, it was, what, five games? Yeah, five games, but they were all one-goal games. And, um, yeah, they didn't roll over a pretty wounded Penguins team, to be honest. No, no, no but that's, it looks, when you, watch, when you watch the series, like you watch some of that Capitals-Rangers series, that the Rangers sort of believed the hype, was that, yeah, we are the President's Trophy winning team. We are that good. We're just going to be able to step it up a notch. And you can't. No. But if you get the matchups that you spoke of, then I, I, I do think there's some, some potential there for some interesting, fun hockey. The second round this year, based on the uh, playoff format, was always set up for some bad second-round boring series because... I think, some, I think some of the worst teams, I think the four worst teams in the playoffs played each other in round one with Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, Ottawa, and one of them moved on, <laughs> or, you know, on each conference. Yeah, I suppose so. 
I mean, this, it's one of those things where you hear a lot of people make the joking remarks about, oh, my God, it's another Rangers Capitals series. Again, it's it is funny, five. though. What is this, like, Chapter 7 and the last, like... Eight years There's been a lot of them. No, you're right, though. But the way this new playoff format's set up, get used to it. Not just with no, the Rangers. I, I hate this setup. You're right. But there, and it's, it's ridiculous. You get there and you want to have fans from, <clears throat> you know, markets that aren't traditional get involved in the playoffs. They're only – like, you get there and it's like Florida are only going to get to play X amount of teams in the first round. And then you go on to the second round, you've still got to play people in that same division. So you're not going to get a chance where you might get – you know, you might get the New York Islanders having a, a rivalry against Florida, unless they both make it to the conference finals. Like, the, it's asinine in regards to why they think... Pittsburgh and Detroit hated each other for three or four years because they played each other in the, in the Stanley Cup finals two years in a row. That wasn't set up on... It wasn't set up on forced rivalries going back to the old divisional playoff system. It's just... It's... So short-sighted in that we could probably get a Capitals Rangers playoff series again next year, and you're going to have everyone crying, complaining about it again. They're low scoring too, and they have some really fun offensive players, especially Ovechkin. And it's you, you only get minor glimpses of him getting time and space, and but he's playing it the Canadian way though. Same way. No, I don't know. He's, you know, that's just the nature of the game right now. The stars don't get to flash why they're good. The the playing no, field is leveled. Um, mediocre that's, players, that's the, the gap shrinks to the top end players. That's no that's good. That's the thing that drives me nuts the most about not calling the penalties. It's like, do you want your stars to shine on the biggest stage? Or do you want the games to slow down and just be a bore to watch? And what's the point of what's the point of being really great? There, it, there isn't. There, there literally isn't. And, and you get there with it, and it's like I don't blame the officials because they're told to call the game a particular way. It's the people above, the next people up the food chain. So it's the it's the supervisors of the series, and then it's the the head of officiating. They need to work out with Batman what product they want on the ice, and then they'll call it that way. They've shown that they can do that. Yeah, 0506 Ooh. was fun. Yeah. Yep. That was a really fun year. Yep. Yeah, like and, Sid, and, Sid got, what, 102 or 104 points in his rookie year? Yeah. I, Connor McDavid is not touching that. <laughs> no, and, and that's... It's, it's, it's got nothing to things. do with McDavid either. No, it hasn't. And, and it's the thing. You've got a guy like him coming in and you've got Eichel coming in. If you want these kids to actually be able to take these franchises on their back and bring them up, which is the whole point of having drafts set up the way it is, then for Christ's sake, let the players play. Let them show off their skill. So, yeah, I know I, I bitch and moan about this quite a bit, but still. <sighs> <laughs> I think that... Says it all that sigh. All right, let's move on. New topic. <laughs> all right. Coaching. Mike Babcock. He was uh, granted permission today uh, to speak with other teams. 
which I think is the the right move by the Red Wings for two reasons. Um, one being it, it, it's a sign of respect to a guy that's done a, just a terrific job for them for a long time. Yeah. And two, it's in their best interest to figure this out sooner so that they can have a plan of action um, and not have to scramble to find uh, who they want. And they do have an assistant coach, and, and forgive me for not having the name handy, but a, a guy they think very highly of that I think would probably take over. Their assistant or their AHL coach? I believe it's the assistant. Because I thought, I, I've heard a lot of people think that Blashoff is their AHL coach. It could should be. be. And I do yeah, apologize for you know not having my ducks in a row on that part of the equation. No, no, but, that's right. um, but it's still nice for them to know um, earlier than later. And if it's going to happen, it, it just might as well happen. And, Correct. Um, yeah, you, there's no point holding on to it. It's like letting him go out and 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 have a look around and have a sniff. Now, the the, the big thing for me is if you're if you're Babcock, what do you want to go to? Well, I think the money's going to be there no matter what. Ignore that. So what's the what's the hockey situation? He's going to get paid no matter where he goes. Well, he's got a few options. Um, you've got, I can coach the best generational guy that just got, is going to be drafted I, in Edmonton with McDavid. Mm. He's got some, uh, great group of forwards. Goaltending's not terrific right now. Um, the defense not great, but they have some, uh, prospects that are close to coming up. Um, you have... A team like Buffalo that has all the right pieces in place to really, uh, you know, fast rebuild, like on the fast track. I don't know if anybody's been watching the world championships, but Jack Eichel is doing nothing to dispel the notion that he's going to be an impact player next year when he joins the NHL. Yeah. He's playing great. He's, um, I, I know against Russia... He was shrugging off guys like Anton Anisimov, who's a big boy, good third-line center for yeah. the Columbus Blue Jays. Yeah. Just shoved him off, spin-moved him off, and uh, made made plays. Um, so I think I I, I kind of like him for Buffalo. I think that would be a, a very good situation for him. He got a smart team. I guess that's the other part of it. How much uh, personnel stuff does he want? Does he want a hand in that? But apparently, I, I I thought I had seen a quote about a week ago saying that no, he's he's not focused on that part of it. So, um, I wonder where I wonder where that thought process came from. I mean, it seems as though Ken Holland's you know run that franchise extremely well, and that Babcock's had minimal say in it. Was it just a, a hunch from a Reporter that he's gone well. If he goes somewhere, he's going to want to have more of a say than he's had in Detroit. And you can't argue with the way Holland's worked that organization. They've been good for so long, and from drafting and slowly developing their players through the system, it's it's worked really well. I mean, it's going to be a very different situation wherever Babcock goes. Um, his input or not in regards to where the depth of the team is going to come from. But you can understand even. Um... Even if he did have a little bit of control in Detroit, you can understand why he's looking to go. 
Um, it's it's a league of young players, and Zetterberg, Datsuk are, are kind of they're still both very good. Yeah, you're not you know you're not saying otherwise. But there is a shrinking time frame for that, and he can either ride that out into the sunset and not really get sniffs at the Stanley Cup, or he can start anew at kind of the basement level floor with an Edmonton or a Buffalo who, you know, have the right pieces in place to kind of uh, accelerate all that. Um, you hear about Toronto, but I, I don't think Toronto's quite in the uh, on the same level of a quick turnaround as, as Buffalo specifically. If you look at those two franchises, it feels to me as though Buffalo's bottomed out and they're actually on the way up. And Toronto still has at least one more season and off season to hit the bottom before it'll swing back up. And, and I don't know whether you, any any coach in Babcock like Bosma, um, McClellan. I don't know why any of those sort of coaches who have um, a resume behind them would want to go through that twelve months of hair pulling before they feel like they're at a point where the club can go forward. So. I think you're right about Toronto. That would be a tough one for Babcock to swallow. I mean, they would have to pay a ton and outbid Terry Pagula in the process. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think Toronto is going to bottom out. I think they um, have bottomed out for them, and I don't think it was like low enough to get McDavid or Eichel kind of thing. Yep. I do think that getting rid of Nonis and, and having Dubis and, and all his uh, analytical hires in place will uh, really help a lot. I, I do think Toronto will start to get better in the next few years, but um, the pieces in place are not as uh, blue chip as uh, some of those other organizations out there. So we need to do a podcast just before the draft in regards to who do we think will move where at draft? Because there will be trades done at the draft. Mm. For who do you think? Well, I, I don't think both Kessel and um, Fanouf will be Maple Leafs. Um, I don't think Sutter will be a Penguin. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Minnesota do with Bannock, whether they do try and move him or not. Um, Teams like Teams like the Oilers need to find a goalie. So it's just it's things like that where it'd be interesting to see whether picks are moved for roster players or, you know what I mean? So it, that's the sort of thing that all the coach would you expect? You'd expect by the draft that all the teams would have their coaches laid out, wouldn't they? Uh, I, it's it's, it's one the, of those things where. The, the Babcock domino is going to fall. McClellan will probably fall after that. Um, Dan Bilesma out there is. There's a lot of, you know, these teams have some okay choices. It's funny the the free agent market for coaches is better than the free agent market for players this year. Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, is there any team off the radar that you would? Uh, say for Mike Babcock um San Jose ooh that's a good one 
I do think he would do well there. The only the the, the drawback there is the same reason that he would be leaving Detroit though. Yep, he'd be walking straight into the same age issue as he has in, in Detroit for his reason for leaving, yeah. I think that the Islanders could fire Capuano and, and make a push for Mike Babcock. Uh, they have a really interesting roster. We'll be in Brooklyn, uh, cap ceiling team. They have the, the young superstar center. They got a lot of nice pieces. No, that that's a it's one of those things where you, you chat with a few Islanders fans and stuff, and they legitimately think that they coach themselves out of winning that series, and actually coach themselves out of the out of a better position for the playoffs in the last fifteen twenty games of the year. So I agree. I yeah, I I think that sticking with Cap, if you've got a better option, and this goes for McClellan as well. I mean, if if you could get there and talk to McClellan and go, all right, do you want to, do you want in? And he said, yes, you, you, I think you'd almost wrap any coach up before, um, before the Islanders current coach at the moment. It's just wanting to drop him. So we'll see what happens there, but you're right. The, the Babcock decision has to be made for, it's almost like freaking LeBron watch. Um, he has to decide where he's taking his services and then every, every other domino will fall. But Todd McClellan's a pretty nice consolation prize. I thought he did a nice job in San Jose, and I thought this past year his GM did a terrible job. In but, I mean, Bilesma's, Bilesma's a, a really good, you know, consolation prize as well. He's not a bad coach. I just think he needs to be in a team that is structured differently. He will make teams better in the, in the regular season. There's no two ways about that. So as much as the Penguins fan, we had issues with what he was doing towards the end of his time in Pittsburgh and was ultimately one of the reasons he got fired. Um, he is a good coach. His systems are proven, um, and he can definitely bring the lower half of the roster up in performance. Just don't expect your superstars to perform to their ceiling because it doesn't lend that in his system. But he can certainly... You can certainly bridge the gap or shrink the gap between your top end and your lower end players. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, raises the floor, lowers the ceiling. Yeah. And so you, you know, as a as a coach, you know what you're getting from every player in every roster position. So you can be very predictable in what you do. So for a bubble team, he'd be a great coach. But you'd only want to let you'd only want him on a three year leash, um, and and see what happens from there. Ultimately, where do you think uh, Mr. Babcock goes? Oh, Jesus. I was hoping you'd come up with an answer first. Um, oh, I don't know. Not Philly. I get a kick out of people that mention his name with Philly. No, they're a bit of a scrambled mess at the moment. They're not, yeah, they're why, not would terrib- he, why would he go there? They're not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It's sure just that, oh, I don't know. That defense core? Where, where's he going with that? Would, would, no, he won't go to Boston. It's the same problem as Detroit. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, you can make the argument that Edmonton and, and Buffalo are the two teams because of the two guys they're going to pick in the draft. Have if, he, the if he's a smart man and is looking to, to supplant his legacy as a winning coach, I think those are two places that make a lot of sense. 
And the the bonus, I suppose, with maybe looking at going to Edmonton is that they've got Chiarelli in, who I think is better at, at running a team than what Edmonton have currently had, but he does need to learn from his lessons in in Boston, which is do not overpay do not trade Connor McDavid. <laughs> I think that one he's pretty safe on, but yeah, it's it's things like that. So if he learns from those errors, then that Edmonton franchise should be good for quite a long time because they've got a lot of young guys locked up before UFA for quite some time. So it's just trusting that Chiarelli can actually find uh, at least one good goaltender, as you would like to put it, league average at least, um, and two quality defensemen. They're they're probably the two things that they need in regards to shuffling players into their slots properly. And, and they will be a good team. So this is just the wrong... It's the wrong UFA season to be trying to do that because there's nothing there that would really... Like, you could get there and put money into Petrie and, and back into Petrie, I suppose, in Edmonton and put money into Cody France and that doesn't help their back six, though. That's not the sort of player they need. They're complementary guys. They need a, a bona fide someone there that can... You know, they need Chris Pronger. <laughs> Yeah. I um I'm going to so, go I'll say Edmonton just so I have actually made a decision. I'm going to say with a Western New York bias, Buffalo. <laughs> no, but I mean that the roster is there. A good GM in place. Um and the money is going to be a complete non-issue. I know the money is going to be there for everybody. Yeah. But he may get a little icing on the top of the cake, even more so. There might be more icing on the cake in Buffalo. Yeah, there'll be you a sick amount of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 for me, the jury's out on Tim Murray, whether he's a great GM or not. He pulled that team apart really well. That, that is the easy part if you're committed to it. Um, and he was. He was committed to it, and he, did, and he did it really well. I want to see how it goes now. But if you listen to his uh, interviews and, and how he talks about stuff, I, 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 have, I have confidence that he, he gets it. Oh, you certainly do. No, no, no. You, you've, you've been a big supporter of Murray. Um, as soon as it became quite clear what he was doing, and he stuck with it, he didn't ball yeah, on it. The Kane trade is a good example of it. Yeah, I, I, I give him that was really smart in regards to still wanting to tank, but still wanting to acquire a talent that will help next year, which he did. So, but, he, um, but even if Kane was healthy, um, which he wasn't, um, what did they really give up that they can't possibly replace? No, 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 I, I know. They it's got prospects the... coming out of every direction. So, so, it comes so Brandon Lemieux to... and Joel Armia, it's a whatever. A first-round pick, well, gee, they had three of them. And uh, so, I, I suppose Tyler Myers is the one you're like, well, you know. But he wasn't, you know, he his trajectory after winning the Calder in Buffalo was not in the Buffalo. right direction. It flatlined. And Zach Bogosian, I don't think is. He's a borderline number four. Yeah, he's a five six who can. But he's, okay. paid, he's getting paid a lot 
fortunately for Buffalo, they got nothing but cap space. Yeah. So, so that's but, the but thing they got Evander Kane to play with Eichel. Come on, that's great. No, no, like, this is the thing though. Like he's started well. I'll be interested to see how he fills out a competitive roster inside the cap. Oh, we're and gonna do a podcast the... in the future that uh, it's gonna be just Buffalo. Because there are so many cool things they can do. I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, watching Pittsburgh get it together through the draft was, was, was interesting. And then obviously finishing it off with the, the trades that they made to, to, you know, make their two cup runs and, and ultimately win it in 09 is definitely different than the way Chicago have managed to build through the draft and then stick it together the way they've done that. LA have done it differently, so it'll be interesting to see how this goes if Tim Murray, because he just threw the bottom out from under that team, and He's then Cam Dillon. pieces. And that's the thing, though. You've now got to make the smart, cap-wise decisions, and that's where a lot of old-school GMs are failing. So this is where I'm interested. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be really good fun to watch over the next three or four years to see how it happens. It'll be fun for me. It's my home market, so... I'm looking at <laughs> And I've been a pretty uh, anti-Buffalo guy for a long time. I, I really hated the Sabres for a long time. And I think a lot of it, and I, well, I don't think, all of it had to do with the way um, Darcy Regeer ran the team. I just never really thought much of it, and I thought he made poor choices. And um, Did Ruff get, get wasted with Regeer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought that's where you were headed. Yeah. So I, think, I think Ruff has done pretty okay in Dallas. Um, they had a lot of injury issues this year. And like you said at the start of the year, their back end still wasn't quite strong enough and made me look like an idiot. Yes, so... Oh, yeah, I, I think he... Central Division champion, Dallas Stars. Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had to have a lot go right and a lot went wrong. And, um, That's all right. I don't think my any of my... Those Blues let everybody down. Actually, that's a position, though, if I'm correct. Yes, but they fell out in the first round again. That's well, I picked the... them for the division, and I was right. True. Yeah, that's true. But the for the second is... year in a row, my Stanley Cup pick, uh, this year the Blues, last year the uh, Sharks, lost in the first round. So I had the Wild. I had them this round, too. I don't know why. That was dumb. It's like They're not a bad it's... team. They... You know, I just really played just, great. It's yeah, it's one Patrick of those things. Where kicks I, ass. Why I pick against Chicago is just beyond me. Well, I had my reasons; they just haven't panned out. They used to be like a super shot suppression team, so they were generating all that offense and then not giving the other team a sniff. Yeah, that's not and, the case this, and this year. They've been giving teams a sniff. They're still able to produce offense, and, uh, you know, they've kind of done better <laughs> than their uh, yeah. regular season numbers. So, <laughs> But, you know, that's why we watch. We don't know. We can only predict. Uh, it's, and it's, it's one of those things where I think it was game three that they won one zip, and Kane scored that goal, and then the game was just crap the rest of the way through. It was just terrible. It just, there, there wasn't anything sort of exciting to watch about it, and it's it's really weird that I mean, give Chicago credit for being able to be run and gun when they needed to against Nashville. 
because, you know, they were letting in goals left, right and centre, to then turn it around and, and win, you know, 2-1 games or 2-zip games when they've had to. I mean, you can't really argue that Dubnik didn't change that Minnesota team around. I don't think he played poorly in the in the playoffs. It, once again, a couple of those goals he let in were puck luck. They were deflected shots and you, you go, get more shots, get more luck. Oh, I want to find... Um, ah, found it. Good, <laughs> good, good Dubnik tweet from Fear the Finn who... who uh, just does a terrific job with his San Jose Sharks blog on Espionation. Yes, um, very much. Dubnik's save percentage from the start of his career to January of 2015, and, and that was before he was traded to Minnesota, uh, save percentage of 909. From April cool? 1st to the present, 909. And then he says he'll always have those two months, though. Ah. But it just goes to show you the nature of that position. And and it does not take away from what Dubnik did. He he literally took a team that screwed themselves with bad goaltending, who were who were playing well. Yeah. Played terrific and they really were that far behind in the race to where they shouldn't have been a a factor and got them in. And what are um you know, realistically they, they it wasn't realistic to expect that he could play that well over a long sample size or a larger sample size. And uh, he didn't. That doesn't mean he played poorly. But no. uh, he certainly um, didn't quite match that two-month so stretch. You swing around to Jimmy needing to be re-signed by the Wild. Yeah, I agree. You have that window where he was lights out, but you look at the other side of the window, both before and after, and you go, that's who he is, right? You could pretty much make that statement, that's who he is. League average to above average? Yeah, sure, take it, depending on the cost. So... If he wants big money, you say, no, thank you, we'll find the next Dubnik. And that's the thing. This is where the general managers have got to get smart now, because if you watch any of the panel shows... In between periods and post game and pre game talking, which I do. No, I I do for a very good reason because I want to know what's being said out there to to most of the people that watch these shows. This is this is the thing. It's like I don't want to bury my head in the sand, but they get there and they're like, oh my god, he's going to cost a truckload of money now. He's going to be so expensive, and it's like, why? Why are you going to overpay? If if you're in the cap world now, you cannot afford to pay for those smaller sample sizes that buck the trend against what his career has basically been. Well, we know what it is. It's a, it's a recency bias. What what has happened lately is in my mind right now. That must be what this, this player is. I mean, just look at some of the playoff contracts over the course of... Time, You know, the, the, the cap era. Uh, Fernando Pisani of the Oilers. Cashed in big. He had that, what, 15-goal playoff performance? Yeah. Boy, he got hot at the right time because he certainly was not that player. But he was paid like that player. Yeah. And, and on the flip side of the coin, you got guys that um, maybe... Like, Rick Nash got destroyed last year uh, for not scoring. And, and even Sid to a certain extent. Um, but they were playing well. 
you know, you get caught up in small sample sizes, um, you're you're playing with fire. Is it is it a concern if you're the New York Rangers that Nash played really well last year in the playoffs but didn't score? He's doing exactly the same thing this year in the playoffs, playing well but hasn't scored. Scored tonight. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I thought but, I saw a tweet that he did. No, no, no. Um, but you get there with it and you go. No, he didn't. It's zero zero. What the hell am I talking the, about? <laughs> the eighty-two games in between both of those playoff runs, he was awesome. It's like, is there something inside of Rick Nash's brain that just flips him out, or is it the fact that if you're a superstar in this league, you get to the playoffs, it's just almost impossible to score? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. You know, I don't know. I know we've probably discussed this. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's been on the actual podcast or not, but it, it's, it's funny how this stuff works. When you're on an island as a star player and your team really needs you to score because there aren't other guys to do it, um, when you go through one of those natural ebbs and flows of uh, your season and it happens to be the playoffs and you're on one of those low ends you get magnified and called out Oh, exactly. but if you're on the Chicago Blackhawks and you only score three goals in 22 playoff games and you win the Stanley Cup your name is Jonathan Taves but no one cares because you have no. other people that pick up the slack but no one wants to talk about that or you could just be Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff and just destroy teams as you go through. I know, I love those two. <laughs> they're so much fun to watch. I mean, they're the they're for, for me those two in regards to being superstars are probably two people that totally buck the trend of it's really hard as a superstar to score in this league in the playoffs. They've just been consistent with it. They've been really, really fun to watch whilst doing it. Um, and I suppose Patrick Kane would, would be the other in regards to being a superstar that's bucked the trend. But that's three players I can think of that have bucked the trend. But they're both on good teams that have depth. Yeah, but they're at least they're at least they are scoring though. That's the thing. It's like if you look well, at Tampa, you have depth, you, is... you can alter your your matchups. So the coach has options. You can't totally, um, you know, if you're. No, I, I, no I I'm not taking that. anything away from those players. They, oh, no, they are no, 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 terrific. No. Um, it's just nice to have. It must be easy to go to sleep at night knowing that it's not all on me. I got some other guys that are going to help me out. Where, you know, you got Crosby and Malkin for years uh, lately. No depth to speak of. Ovechkin, same thing, really. This year, they're, they're a little bit yeah. better. Because guess what? They're finally playing kids. I know. It, that's, that's uh, the, Kuznetsov yeah. and uh, Burakowski. Burakowski, yep. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Kind of get an idea Wilson. of what we're looking at and the pace that we're trying. Nah, he stinks. Oh, I know, but he's got your last name, so I thought I'd just bring that up. Yeah, he stinks, so. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's one of those things where, it, it, like, Tim Murray... It'll be interesting to see when he starts filtering in these young guys that he gets from draft picks and stuff into the lineup because you have to play youth. You have to play entry-level contracts now. That's just the reality of it. You're going to have to pay your stars, and then you're going to have to draft youth and trust it. You have to play Especially them. when they're good. 
Yeah, but you have to pay them. You have to play them before you have to pay them. Because then you can't trade for players like yeah, that later. Yeah, this is a league that you pay for past performance, not future performance. You might as well get the, the good performance on the cheap. Correct. You have to you have to get the good performance out of them when they're cheap. Let them walk when they want more money, and then bring the guys up that you've drafted to replace them. You you've got to think ahead of the ahead of the contract rather than behind the contract. Now I think so. It's tough. It'll be really interesting to see. Like you can scout. It's it's easy to scout advanced stats now on the NHL players. It's working out what you think is valuable in your draft picks and being able to do the advanced scouting and stuff like that. Like, I love the fact you can follow Todd Cordell, and he does that for you. He gives you your coursey for and against and all those sorts of things for some of these some of these um, junior games. And it's like, okay, that's really good. And you would hope that teams are putting the investment into it themselves. No, I agree. And uh, people like Todd... Uh, do it for juniors, and Ryan Lambert has done it all year for college hockey, specifically a lot of Eichel stuff. And um, I look forward to the day where these poor people don't have to do it anymore, and the data tracking is done with the sports VU kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, but God bless those guys for, for yep. putting that information out there, because uh, I, I just don't have enough hours in the day to do it myself. Oh, you do have children? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Two, two of them, in fact. So, but even if I didn't, I don't know if I'd be a tracking kind of guy. I really enjoy the the information. So I guess you could consider me a leech in that regard. Yeah, but you're still going to be able to utilize the uh, the information that they do provide. That's the that's the thing. I mean, it, it comes down, I suppose, to all the information's there. You. you and everyone's got an opinion on, on what's valuable and, and what's not. It, it comes down to, I suppose, as fans, you and I want an exciting product to watch. As a general manager, what do you think is the type of team that you need to construct to win a cup? And I have a feeling that there are some big variations in regards to what's required for both of those particular things that we like. Do you want to... Discuss Mr. Shero. I do. That's. I give the Devils credit. They don't leak. No, that was a real huge. Um, what was it? 4 p.m. on a well, not 4 4, 4 a.m. for you on Tuesday yeah. morning. Yeah, I get I get up and it's like my Twitter feed's full of like Shero quotes, and I'm like, what the hell? Oh, really? Um, so well done for. Getting a general manager, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I know you wrote about this yourself. If he learns from his mistakes that he made, he'll be a good GM. Any any person that learns from their mistakes should be better at their job the next time around. So um, I, I hope that he does get better at it. I I hope that for the NHL's sake that Jersey end up being good again. No, I don't. I, they... <laughs> that franchise and. Is that spoken? For, is that spoken from a Penguins fan that was no, devastated? No, it's just they did game it's a 20s? black hole. Seriously? Nothing has ever interested me about them. But this is the thing, though. This won't be your, as I like to say, this won't be your dad's Devils. It should be. It's a completely different roster. 
I'd be in open, regards, to, I'd be open to change. I, I spoke earlier this podcast about really disliking the Sabres, and I'm super excited for them now. So yeah, there's there's that's that's a valid point you're bringing up. I mean, that's but the to this thing. point, I if you if you could pick. Well, I wrote extensively about Connor McDavid. The worst team he could go to would be the Devils. And there's a good reason. There's a good reason to think of that. I, I, all the reasons that you, you've stated in that are exactly right. But with this general manager being who he is, if he's got autonomy and he's not told he, he needs to build it a particular way by Lamorello, then he should just go with the pick the best player in the draft. And, and look at, at cheap options to fill holes until the, the youth comes through. Oh, um, they, they, they are so far away from being a cup-caliber team. Like, they have so long to go. And you can make the argument that, that their um, futures prospect is not high, because I think it's in the bottom third, but there's nothing to say that he can't fix it. Chero is starting from a very different starting point than he did in Pittsburgh. There are a lot of holes in this Devils sure roster. Is. He's not yeah, gifted they're... the top two of the top five players in the world and the no, best player in the world. But he does have a world-class goalie. Which that won't can be a, a world-class goalie by the time they figure it out. No, so do you move him now Yeah, I would. And, and tank it out and get some really good return for Schneider? They should get a lot. But what do you, do you get there and go, well, we gave up a lot to get him? Ninth pick. What do you? So that's the thing. It's like, does he just go? Well, none of the decisions made before me matter. I can just do what I want with yeah. this roster. Like it's, yeah. Like it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I can see arguments for keeping Schneider because he will keep them in games and he will keep games close. Um, but ultimately, what direction does New Jersey want to head at this point in time? Do they want to? Is there a player in the next two years that you want to tank for? So you get rid of Schneider and you just let the bottom fall out and then build from there, or are you going? We've got enough pieces in Larson and and um, Schneider that we can build something around. I don't think Larson. I, I don't know. I'm not saying Larson can't be a, an effective top four defenseman, but he's not a number one. He's not a build around guy. I don't think. No, I don't. For one, I, I, he's definitely not a Victor Hedman. Um, oh. But I think he's a he's a two, three, or a four. Probably a three if he's lucky. Which is a shame that a number four pick flatlines out at a three. It would have been seeing if you can get a top two pairing out of a top five pick for a defenseman, then you're happy. If you get something below a top two, that's when you start to go, damn, that pick didn't quite pan out. Or yeah, the the Schneider thing is the most interesting part of it all. Because it's not an indictment on, on the player, more so the, the position. Nope. Like, yeah, we're going to give up a world-class guy, but we could probably find an average guy pretty much. You know, Dubnik is the example of this, the guy that can come in and, and, and do just fine. Um, and if somebody's willing yeah. to pay the premium for Schneider, um, yeah, that'll, you know, speed up that rebuild process. You should be great. I think you should you should move. I think you should move Schneider on. And I suppose it comes down to if you're Corey Schneider, yeah, you're a number one goalie and you're getting to play finally, and it's all on your shoulders. And it's obviously what Schneider. Yeah, but he's going to be that guy. Quite some time. Somebody's going to pay a premium to trade for him. He's going to be that guy there too. 
and put him in a situation where he'll play in games that matter. And I suppose that's the big thing for Schneider to work out. It's like, I know he doesn't have an NTC or anything like that in his contract, I don't think, but do you get there and say to yourself, I wouldn't mind moving on to a team where I can compete in my prime when I'm at my best because he's hitting that sort of window right now and he's going to be good. Like, he was, a, he was a good trade for New Jersey. It was a really good decision for them to get him. Timing's wrong, that's all. Yeah, I agree. Um, but Deshero, um he took the team that was gifted the hardest parts, um, Crosby, Malkin, and, and even a number one defenseman in Latang before he even showed up to the job. Yeah, that's true. And yes, injuries a little bit through the course of time played a big role, but you know, so did trading for Rob Scuderi, signing a 35 plus Craig Adams to a two year contract, signing Tanner Glass, picking up Taylor Pyatt, uh, signing Joe Vitale to multiple years, um, just to- totally identifying just crappy depth. And, well, it's uh, it's yeah, it's working out what what skill sets needed to fill that depth, and if he's an old school thinker in regards to you know what those examples provide, and he hasn't learned his lesson from those, then Jersey are in trouble. If he has learned his lesson from that and worked out what he needs to put on the ice as depth, then they should be okay. I think the problem with that it all comes down to what the league's going to allow to happen on the ice. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to be okay regardless of who the GM is. Where are they finding this high-end talent? Yeah, I've no idea. Oh, good group they school. Sorry, I'm watching the the, the Rangers came in the back. I know a goal. It's in the uh, uh, ten minutes left in the third, and we have a goal finally. Yeah, 9.06. I'll say this, though. This game has actually had some chances in it. But it, it's Goes not to show you me. that we're recording this podcast during a game. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We would normally have to wait until about 10.30, 11 o'clock before we'd, we'd be game enough to go and do it. But, yeah. Uh, sorry, but back to the Sherry thing. So they, they just, you're basically saying the cupboard's bare and yes, this offset. I, I would say worst roster situation in the NHL. Wow. Name a worse one. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, look... I, no, you can't say that. Um, yeah, you might be right. I mean, honestly, I, I'm not exaggerating here. Name a worse one. What about Toronto? I think they're in a massive state of flux in regards to where they're headed and what they're doing. But they're going to pull tickets in. I mean, Jersey struggle to pull people in because what they play Jersey is Jersey doesn't hockey. have a Kessel or a Kadri. Yeah, but... Toronto doesn't have a Schneider. Well, you know, you're talking to the wrong guy about goalies. I know, no, no, I know, but that, that's the thing. It comes down to what is it... You know my favourite player is a goalie. I'm going to stick up for him <laughs> as much as I can. I love watching them play. I love watching them steal games and stuff like that. And, and Schneider does that, you know... I'll tell you really what, they, the, the Leafs have William Nylander, who's going to be awesome from what I've seen. He's a... Uh, Swedish, I believe. He uh, 
played in Sweden and then got moved over to the AHL and he just crushed the AHL this year. So is is he worth the price of a ticket? I think he will be. Yeah, okay, because this is the thing. Schneider currently is worth the price of a ticket. But he's a goalie. Yeah, I'm not going to win that argument. I'm just saying. <laughs> you might win it to some, but like... Schneider is in that rare uh, echelon to where I think he is worth the investment. He, I think he's a top five goalie in the NHL for sure. Uh, so, so it does make it kind of a unique argument where I, I will concede, like, wow, this guy is awesome. He does make a difference. He's, he's just on a team at the wrong part of this cycle. Yeah. That's the thing. You, you put him on a, you put him on St. Louis, uh, San Jose. Uh, let's see who else. Even if you wanted, to, well, you can't really blame Dudnik for that. So you put him in Dallas. Um, oh, Dallas, man, that that'd be an interesting one. You know, if they if they just did a straight up trade Lettman for Schneider, why would why would they do that though? Because they want to tank. So trade Schneider for futures and sign some crappy goalie. Yeah. You don't need to trade him for a goalie. Yeah. If you're trading Schneider, I'd be like, uh, yeah, that Nachushkin guy looks pretty good. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't want him to touch Nachushkin if I'm Dallas. And the argument you make is exactly right. You've got to give to get, vice versa, on both ends of the both ends of the stick. I mean, this thing, I mean, I listed off a couple of teams that you whack Schneider in, and all of a sudden they become extremely good. Those teams become extremely good. I mean. God, you could you've even put Schneider in where Fleury is in Pittsburgh, and you get a totally different goalie uh, situation there in regards to style of play. And I love watching Fleury play, but he can be a little bit frantic. Um, he was good this year, was, but yes, he Schneider wouldn't have tanked the way uh, poor Mark Andre did for a few years. A bit looking for future wise, like in, in the future, Schneider plays a much more controlled, a much calmer game uh, than what Fleury does. Um, and that might settle that team down a little bit. Fleury was fantastic this year. I'm not going to try and take anything away from him, but no, he's very good. Yeah. So Schneider could solve a lot of teams' problems. The question would be, what would those teams be willing to give back to New Jersey to help move them forward to improve on what they've got? Um, and yeah, the more I try to think about that roster, they don't really have. Who's their offensive player that sparkles that would make you want to go and watch them? <laughs> I could tell you who it was. So who was it? Yamir Yager. Yeah, I just wanted to hear you say it. Um, <laughs> oh, Yager. He's he's tearing up the world championships, by the way. Yeah. He, you should see the uh, gif, uh, the move he pulled off today. Spinorama classic, uh, uh, classic Yager stuff. He didn't score on it. The goalie actually made a really nice toe save, but man. Dialed back the clock. <laughs> well, look, that's one of those things. He's in Florida. But, but look at the Roth. I have it up right now. Travis Zajac, he's making $5.75 million until freaking 2021. Patrick Eliage, Mike Camilleri, Ryan Clough, Adam Henrique, Tuomo Rutu, Zubris, Steve Gianta. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. It's It's... Those are all their players under contract right now. That's, they have no forwards to speak of. 
What is the one area of need the penguins had that Shero neglected? Did Shero draft any forwards worth a damn? No, and that's the thing. He he took Stahl over Taves, and that was his finest move. The it's one of those things where a lot of people say he didn't draft any forwards. Right? He did draft forwards, just none of them came to fruition. No, you know why? They're all college, and not once did he. I shouldn't say not once, but like totally ignored Europe for the most part in the early rounds. I wonder why that is. As, a, uh, as far as forwards are concerned, yeah. Ali Mata, obviously, a uh, yeah. great selection by Ray Sherrill. Has, has, there, has he come out and said why that was their drafting strategy? Like, has anyone ever read anywhere through the time while he was in Pittsburgh or now that he's, he's out of Pittsburgh and, and, he went, uh, and, like, the gap before he became the Devils GM, did he ever sort of come up as to why he didn't want to look in Europe for forwards? I don't know. He's the son of a 70s Stanley Cup winning coach. Yeah. Canadian. <laughs> or, sorry, American. He's American. He's American. Be careful. We start getting into this sort of stuff. It gets nasty. North American. North American. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he goes yeah, about okay. trying to, to change that to change that roster because it's He's definitely not starting in the same spot. Um, hopefully he's learned his lessons and he does look at, at just drafting the best player available at that at that draft pick rather than, you know, the thought process that he did say when he was in Pittsburgh was he wanted to make sure he had lots of puck moving defensemen because they're good assets to trade. Well, he's not in a position where he can afford to look at that. He needs to fill a roster now, I suppose. I just don't think he has an easy job at all, no matter who it is. And he's going to have to drastically change some of the stuff he's valued. Like, depth is going to be incredibly important, especially since he doesn't have blue-chip players. Like, they're drafting sixth overall in in June. Yeah. That's, that's not going to land you. Well, I don't want to say that impossible to land a guy at six overall but like you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. your odds mcdavid eichel that ain't happening yeah your odds are... and he was gifted a mcdavid or mcdavid and an eichel <laughs> and a hannafin before he even stepped foot into pittsburgh and he also had an older version of hannafin oh hang on did he sign gonchar like no, gonchar was already there wasn't he because he, he yeah okay. <laughs> you know Flurry was already there. Yeah. Once once again, Flurry was playing okay at that point. That's why he got the extension from Cheryl. Well, didn't they extend him after the 08 playoff run? Yeah, and you you had no reason. I don't blame him. No, 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 no. That's the thing. Everything was pointing towards it being a look. It was an okay signing in hindsight. It wasn't brilliant. Like they could have shaved a couple of mil off in in retrospect, but you didn't know that at the time. You had to make that you had to make that contract signing what it was. Now, I've been pretty negative to this point with with Ray Shero's uh, past prior experience, but there there is um, the fact that when he makes trades, he usually wins them. What's the last? Um, he's made some very nice trades. What was the last trade that he did that he just flat out lost? 
Because I'd almost say it was the Murray trade. Well, that was an all-time blunder. Okay, so that's the thing. Like, you get there. But that's the writing on the wall, the kind of stuff that he needs to learn from. Yeah. But that comes down to he way overpaid for Murray, but I think the approach of trying to beat the Bruins was wrong. I, I think to, to beat the Bruins that year, they needed to skate around them, not try and skate through them. And they've gone, no, well, we need to make sure we don't get pushed around. And so that's why they went for a player like Murray and then ridiculously overpaid. So it, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, whether he has to change his philosophical outlook on what a team needs to be constructed like. So. Oh, he's not off to a good start. Why? He made a signing tonight. Who was that? <sighs> Jordan Tutu. And, you know, this is a very minor signing, and, and they're not going to be competitive next year, so I guess it doesn't matter too much. What was? But Jordan Tutu, the definition of a replacement player, um, one year, 825000 See, I'm okay with that. It's one year. It's ah. He should make 550 and if he doesn't take it, see you later. And, I, and the thing is, like, that sounds really ruthless on your behalf, but you've got to save every penny you can under the cap, don't you? It's the reality. But No, it's not even that. It's just I can get something equal to that at that price, so why am I even bothering? It'll be interesting to see how this works. I'm, I'm, I'm in, really interested to see. It, that, 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 that's a more damning move if they're in a more competitive environment, which they're not going to be. Well, the next 10 years for league-wide is going to be really fun to see how teams get constructed, what what general managers value in players, at, at what part uh, of the cycle the team is building into becoming a playoff team or a cup contender, and what value they put on dollar-wise in regards to the old intangibles. That's where you see players getting overpaid is the stuff that you can't track. And it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for, or if it ever happens, that general managers stop taking that sort of stuff into account when it comes to the dollar value. Yeah, um, it will be interesting. And I think uh, there's a lot of great literature on the internet now on how that should look. Um, every NHL team has a bevy of really smart people um, whether it's in uh, print media or blogging, it doesn't matter where the work's being done. Every team has somebody out there doing just terrific work right now. Um, it's just a matter of how, if you can find it. Oh, it's tied it. Damn it. <laughs> Rangers? Yeah, it was Kreider as well. You run the goalie over? No, 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 no. It was a slap shot. Oh, wow. I just wanted that. Look, it's one of those things where uh, I keep saying to my wife, um, the Rangers are going to lose. She said, I can't believe you're barracking for the Capitals. I said, no, I'm not. I just want the Rangers to lose. She said, but that means the Caps win. I said, yeah, yeah, but I don't really want them to win either. I just want the Rangers to lose. And they were a minute 30 away from doing I don't honestly care who wins and loses. I, I just want entertainment. And Ovechkin brings that. Uh, Kuznetsov brings it. Uh I love watching Baxter play. He's such an underrated talent. 
But uh, that's just the thing. Just this Rangers team doesn't do anything to excite me. They just don't. No. They don't play a, a, a style of hockey that's fun for me to watch. I get if you're a Rangers fan why you're okay with it because they're winning. It, it makes perfect sense for you to be happy to watch it. But for an entertainment point of view, um, yeah, I don't find what they put out on the ice particularly fun to watch. And, you know, it's where I've been very spoiled as a Penguins fan. The type of hockey that I've got to watch over the last 25 years has been... Un- oh, I don't think many Penguins fans really understand how spoiled they've been. No, 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 no. And, and how- oh, I went from Lemieux to Lemieux Yager to this really, like, three-year crummy section that netted us... Crosby and Malkin for crying out loud, and and look and Fleury, who is fun to watch, like he's exciting to watch. That's the thing. It's 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 like yeah, he can be dodgy at times, but he's good fun to watch. He's an exciting goalie to watch, and we've been really lucky as fans. We've we've got to see Larry Murphy play well. We've got to see Paul Coffey play well. Um, Latang, Latang. Um, you can eat Gonchar yeah, even. You can put Gonchar in there. Like the types of teams that Penguins fans have got to watch. You, you've been. Two months I'm Marion Hosa. Oh, I, I tweeted the other day. <laughs> He's so good. You, He's you so look good. at how much better he makes Taves, and then you look at how good Crosby was that playoff run that they played together, and you go, if he'd wanted to stay in Pittsburgh and that seven-year contract he could have signed in Pitt, just how different the franchise would have looked. And you just go, that's the unfortunate... I don't know if they would have won the Cup the next year. I think they would have had a better crack at it. Future wise, yeah, yeah, but it's just he makes players around him so much better. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Oh, look at that! No wonder Holtby couldn't stop because Brooks or Pick was playing goalie. There you go. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you just get there with it, and it, it's like Hoser is under it'll be sad when he does decide to eventually hang them up, you know, because he just does so many good things well. Um, and makes the rest of the line mates and well, the rest of the players on the ice when he's out there better as well. It's just he's gorgeous to watch play. How about this? If the Blackhawks make the final, I think he will be. I think he will have made the final in five of the last seven years. Says a lot about what he is, doesn't him? Because he's done it with three different teams. Yeah. Uh, one with Detroit, one with Pittsburgh, two to this point with um, Chicago, obviously both being victories. Yep. And if they make it this year, it's this fifth. That's... And can't rule that out. They're playing great. They're going to be well-rested. Well, that's the thing. These series could all wrap up very, very quickly. <laughs> Well, yeah, the Rangers one could end tonight, but they just tied it. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at the Anaheim-Calgary series, to be perfectly honest, Calgary look like they're an AHL team playing against, an AHL, playing against an international team. And oh, I need to interrupt you. Go for it. Calgary. Dumbasses. Oh, the Bennett track? Yeah, why are they? Oh, man. So <laughs> short-sighted with Sam Bennett. They played him that game that kicked in his entry-level contract. For what? Why? How could you be so short-sighted? 
Entry-level contracts are gold in the hard cap era. Total mismanagement there. It's it's funny. I was giving um, – I remember it was the last podcast, which feels like it was a year ago now. Um, I was trying to give props to um, Benning for his contract signings and stuff like that, ignoring the fact that he was the one that signed Derek England. Um that's two point nine million Eight. per year. <laughs> um, you know, forgetting forgetting that particular you know that particular contract, and then this is another example of not a good way to utilize your your rostered players and contract length and and being able to force someone to be on the cheap. I I, I, I mean, you you could make a mild argument. The Penguins screwed up by playing Ali Mata. The, that one year or his first year even though he played terrific um, but that's like a super mild argument like the Sam Bennett one is a major argument well it's, like, it's the tail end of the year that's the thing it's like they played all of they played Ollie all of last year like right from the start all the way through and that seemed fine you know what I mean like that, that kind of made sense this year you can make the argument they shouldn't have bothered last year because he's lost a whole year of his ELC because of his shoulder injury. But that's a topic I need to write on in regards to the injury management of that shoulder. And I bring that up because of Bennett and his shoulder in that they waited and waited and waited until it was 100% right before he came back. And they've gone and, and, that was and good. They've, they've gone and burnt the year anyway because they've only played him for... 10 games, 12 games, and they're going to be... You know what I mean? Like, they've burnt that in, that one year of the entry-level contract just by being greedy. And for what, really? I mean, do they really think they're going to beat the... Yes, Dolphins? they do. That's their... Maybe they will, and this podcast will be uh, evidence against me that I'm an idiot, <laughs> but... Um... I, I just don't see it that way. I can... I can look... That they've gotten by on on luck, basically. I mean, you look at the way they won that game three. It, it, the plays that got them to that point were ridiculously good, but it's still a situation where, in reality, it should have been five or four power play for the Ducks, and because the official didn't want to affect the game, decided to take two men off the ice. That's luck. You've got to be lucky in that situation to have the calls fall your way, and they have. If they're going to ride luck all the way through to the Stanley Cup and win it, if teams want to follow that model, um, well, then they're retarded. There it is. <laughs> you know, there's not really another way to put it. Score adjusted Fenwick, Calgary Flames, 46.7 in the playoffs. It's just not going to cut it. So, say the impossible happens and they run with that score-adjusted Fenwick all the way through the end and win it. As a person, and, and you're... But, but we are dealing with small sample sizes. Yeah, but that's what they've been like all year. Correct, but St. Louis had the best, and look at that. You no, know, no, I know, I know they lost, but you look at... You look at... This is the thing, it's not like... It's not like Calgary have suddenly turned into a bad Fenwick. They've been bad all year. So this is... Terrible. This isn't different from what they've been. So this is who they are, right? It's not like 
you've suddenly got a team that's flipped the switch or something like that. If they go through and they win the whole thing on this, do you feel like it will give justification to all of those anti-statters to just get there and go, you guys are pointless, that this stuff is just useless? No, the stats, um, stats increase your probability of being right. There, there are still outliers that exist. Which this calculator is um, proving to be that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it, it uh, nullifies any of the research that's been done or, or people that believe in the possession stats. Um, one, Calgary isn't going to go all the way and win, so there's that. But the Stanley Cup winners have all been top five yeah. possession teams the, the last number of years. Yeah. And... Um, you know, anything can happen in small samples. U.S. beat Russia in 1980. I don't even want to know what the possession numbers were in that game because I know damn well it didn't favor the United <laughs> States. But that stuff happens. Of course. And, and everybody knows that. Well, anybody that responsibly used stats understands that um, that, that happens. And, and quite frankly... Um, if Calgary were to beat the Anaheim Ducks, let's use that in, yep. as an example. Like, I'm using um, what I value statistically to say that, yeah, I, I really don't believe that's going to happen. But if it does happen, that's fine, too. It, it would be really fun to watch, like, a team uh, totally overcome just bad odds to, to do something like that. And that's entertaining to me, too. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I was wrong in, in in valuing the probability of things. It just means, hey, you know what? It's one of those things that happened. That's why we and uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm not going to bail on my methods of prediction that have been proven to be more more successful than the alternative. Yeah. So it, I, I bring this up because. It's, it's quite obvious that some teams are looking into these stats to try and improve their roster. Others are not. Others have got advisors in to help them do it, but then seem like they ignore the, the numbers that they're, they're given. How, how do you think the advanced stats can actually help a general manager improve their roster? Because it's pretty obvious that the Colorado Avalanche seem to think that this year's the aberration, last year's the norm. And all the advanced stats would tend to make you think otherwise. Yep. Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche were a 44% possession team this year. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Um, last year, they were pretty low, too. Yeah. 27th at 46.6. So they actually got worse this yep. year. Um, if the if this is the aberration and they think they're the forty six point six team, got some bad news for them. Same results are are gonna happen. Yeah. So I mean I know that Sherman's just the pretend GM and and um, Patrick Ra's the the general manager. When you think about it, Sakic. Oh, Sakic is sorry. Good great. Well, I'm sure Wa has. Um. Yeah, I'm a year and a half behind on that. Anyway, you get there with it and it's like. Is there any hope for Colorado changing? Like, 
Not not in the near future. No. So. Well, anything else? Well, I think we're good. I think this is really well timed because Rangers Capitals are heading to overtime. Yeah. We're about halfway through that intermission. Yeah. And I've just started watching the first bit of the Anaheim Calgary game. Well done by yeah. us. We'll bail out on this. And... Oh, Gold Duck C. <laughs> I do. You're ahead of me. This buffering. Oh, sorry. Oh, you sorry. just spoiled it. That US internet, I tell you. About Australian freaking snail mail internet. Jesus. I'm still on the power play here with Anaheim. Did they score a power play goal? Um, I don't know. I just saw the goal go in. Wasn't a great goal either. Doesn't have to be. Goal's a goal. Anywho. We should bail out so uh, we can go and watch the rest of these games. Apologies for the long layoff, but um, we're both kind of in the midst of uh, changing living situations. (laughs) You moved across the whole country, and then uh, I'm dealing with uh, selling and buying homes, so... We've been busy. Yeah. Um, no promises for how uh, recent the next one will be, but we will try to be a little bit better. Just so you know, dude, it was 12 months since we did our first podcast. Oh, year anniversary. I think so, yeah. I think our first one was, let's, let's see, our podcast number one was, oh, hang on, I've lost it. Ah! Podcast number one was done, was posted on the 1st of April, 2014. So. Oh, we're, ah, we've blown past the year. We have. Look at us. People still, still listening. At least some of you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, last, Thank last podcast much. we did, which was the 11th of April, was basically 12 months. Cool. So we started in the playoffs last year. <laughs> I guess all I'll add is if, if you do actually enjoy this podcast and judging by the fact you've made it this far, um, give us ratings on iTunes. Give that five-star rating. Uh, uh, boost that popularity so that more people uh, you know, can see it, access it, all that nice stuff. Yes, please do. Um and then to, to further promote, uh, you can find uh, me, Ryan Wilson, uh, on Twitter at Gunner Stahl and uh, at HockeyBuzz.com doing Pittsburgh Penguins-related stuff. I've Part of the reason we haven't done podcasts is because I've, been, uh, I've started the process of writing some uh, of the material for the new Hockey Prospectus book, which will come out next year. Uh, I've been started my essays and player samples for the two chapters I'll be doing. And then uh, you can find Cameron Walsh at Walshy66 and and then uh, HockeyHurts.com, obviously. You're at the Hockey Hurts podcast. So <laughs> anything else? I think I'm good. Okay. All right. That'll do it for uh, this week's podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And thank you. Thanks.